You're listening to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Well, we certainly have a lot to talk about. COVID-19 certainly has had an unbelievable impact on our lives, both personally, professionally, obviously socially, and with so much information out there, you could really just spin yourself into a frenzy trying to figure out what's legitimate, what's not, what you should do both professionally or personally, what you shouldn't do. It's overwhelming for sure. And, you know, I can, I can guarantee that just about all of you out there have been on the same roller coaster of emotions that, you know, the vast majority of Americans have been on. This is an unprecedented time. And quite frankly, nobody knows what to do. And I think that it is even more difficult when you are watching the news and you do see our government and politicians uh, on both sides, Republican and Democrat, not really knowing what to say or how to help. And that's not to say that certain programs haven't been put in place, certain um, financial remedies, if you will, have been set in motion. But at the bottom or the, the end of the day, I was going to say the bottom line, but at the end of the day, my, my philosophy is this. You can't rely on the government to take care of you. You've got to take care of yourself. And that's what we're going to talk about today in this podcast. I want to talk about some of the most commonly asked questions I've received over the last few weeks concerning taking care of your business, your employees, you know, personal stuff like your mortgage. And I want to give you some advice, some thoughts that are from experience or have been uh, gathered from working with clients who are going through what we're all going through right now. So, you know, my advice, again, as you always know from listening to this podcast, my opinions, it's not legal advice. Um, I'm not creating an attorney-client relationship here. It's simply information that I want to share with you. And I would highly advise you to hire your own attorney, um, accountant, or other professional to help guide you through the unknown, which is where we are right now. But I want to tell you about some of the clients I've dealt with and some of the information that I've gathered. So I want to start with one of the first things I'm asked, and that is if you are a business owner, what do you do with your lease? So, you know, obviously most people that are renting a commercial space, they're going to have a written lease. And that lease is going to be anywhere from one year, 10 years, 20 years. It all depends on your specific circumstances. I'll tell you that the uh, vast majority of, of standard commercial leases are often five years. But regardless, if you find yourself in a situation where you might not be able to operate your business and you might not have enough money to pay your rent. What can you do? 
Now, obviously, there are a number of grants and loans and other financial uh, programs that you can apply to and avail yourself of. And I certainly encourage everyone to do that, to apply for as much as you can. I'm not holding out a tremendous amount of hope that there's going to be as much money or um, that it's going to be available to everyone. I, I think that what we're going to find is that certain people get it, some people don't. So again, with this theory of mine that you can't rely on the government to take care of you in this situation, I'm going to give you some thoughts and opinions as to how you might want to deal with your commercial lease. So the first thing and the most important thing is communication. Communication with your landlord, with the building owner. Um, oftentimes, landlords are focused solely on generating income. And they don't think about what you as a business owner might be going through. And especially right now, if you've got a, a business owner that might, or I'm sorry, a landlord that might not own tremendous amounts of commercial property, maybe it's a small area, they're likely concerned over the potential loss of income that they're going to be facing as well if they can't get tenants in or if their tenants stop paying. So it's really, it goes hand in hand. If the tenants can't pay, the landlords can't make money, the landlords are just as worried as you are. So communication is key. Let your landlord know that you're concerned. Let your landlord know that you might be running into financial trouble. Nothing's worse from a landlord's perspective than thinking everything's okay and then all of a sudden not getting paid and then having to chase the person for the rent and then the tenant making excuses as to why it's late and stringing the landlord along. That, at least in my experience, is one of the worst things you could possibly do. It really sets a bad tone. The landlord gets very angry and you can't work things out. Instead, let, let's just be direct about this. Contact the landlord. Tell them, hey, listen, I'm having a problem. Here's what's going on. What can we do? So let's assume the landlord's going to work with you. There's plenty of things that you guys can work out. Um, you can reduce rent payments. You can ask for a, 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 almost like a forbearance where maybe you have a couple months free rent and you tack those rent payments on to the end of the lease, or you build them in to the monthly payments once your forbearance period is over. Uh, but again, you're not going to get even to that point if you don't communicate openly with the landlord. Now, I, I've heard from you know multiple people and clients that that's pie in the sky because a lot of times landlords aren't interested in working with you. They'd rather get you out. Well, the best thing to do in a situation like that, where you're faced with a landlord that doesn't want to work with you and is threatening to sue you, is really to try to negotiate out of the lease. Now, the landlord has a duty to mitigate their damages. In other words, they've got to, if you're going to leave, they've got to get somebody else in. They can't just sit there and say, hey, Johnny had a five-year lease. He's only been here for one. I'm not going to do anything when Johnny leaves, and I'm going to sue Johnny for all five years of the lease. And they have a duty to try to get somebody in to replace you as a tenant. So you're not going to deal with a situation like that because that 
you know, is against the landlord. And if that issue comes to light in court, the landlord's going to have a problem. What you're better off doing is trying to negotiate something that you can afford. Listen, you know, Bob, the landlord, I can't continue. I can't, you know, make these payments. Can we negotiate a settlement? Can I resolve this for one month payment? Something of that sort. And maybe you can work it out. Maybe you can settle for a lower amount of money, pay the landlord and be done with it altogether. But what if you can't? What if the landlord says, I'm not going to settle with you. I'm not giving you any breaks. Oh, and by the way, you have a personal guarantee, meaning you signed that you individually would be personally liable for non-payment of rent that the company can't make. Because that's important because let's say you have an LLC and the lease is in the LLC's name and you close down the LLC, but there's a personal guarantee, then the landlord has the right to go after you individually. So your option at that point could potentially be bankruptcy. And I, you know, have spoken to so many people who still have that old mindset that bankruptcy is some sort of scarlet letter that you know you'd never ever want to file bankruptcy it's the worst thing they publish it in the newspapers i'll never forget my grandmother uh god rest her soul who if you mention the word bankruptcy to her she would flip out because her belief was that Everybody would know. They'd be you'd be walking down the streets of town, people pointing at you. Look, they're bankrupt. They're bankrupt, and you know that belief has been passed down to a lot of younger generations too, because it's you know it's a it's a complicated component of law, and so a lot of people tend to believe the rumors that are out there. But let me tell you, it is a statutory right to declare bankruptcy. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not doing anything that makes you look weak. Now, I'm not talking about fraudsters, people that are going to use bankruptcy to defraud people. That's bad, and you can end up going to jail. What I'm talking about is the average normal person who finds themselves in a complicated and worsening financial situation. Avail yourself of the bankruptcy protection. Don't be ashamed. It doesn't get published in the newspaper. No one is going to know. They're not going to take your house. They're not going to take your car. They're not going to take your television. It just doesn't work that way. So if you've got a lease, landlord won't work with you and a personal guarantee, why not talk to a bankruptcy attorney? When you're in that deep, there's no harm at all in talking to a bankruptcy attorney. So those are a couple ways that you can deal with this commercial lease issue. All right, let's move on to another question. Um, and this one is, is personal. So I've had a lot of people call and talk about what they should be doing right now for their personal lives. What, what should they do? Should they be hoarding silver and gold? Should they be digging, you know, underground bunkers? Should they be getting a gun license? All these things that, I mean, they're not crazy. The people are, are legitimately concerned and they don't know where to, to turn. And there's so much information out there. You want to know what one of the things that you should be doing right now? You should think about your estate. 
you should think about whether or not you have a will. I know this is grim and gruesome, and you're probably thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? A will? That's the last thing I want to think about. You know, but unfortunately, I've had a few clients who had elderly family members who had some money and property die without a will. And it creates a tremendous amount of stress for all involved. And, and I'll tell you, nine times out of ten, the person that died, they didn't mean to create this sort of turmoil within the family. They just didn't know. So it's a minor thing. It's something that we should all be looking at, myself included, everyone. Make sure you have a will, number one. Look at it. Make sure it's updated. Make sure make sure that it, it expresses what you want to happen. Who wants the government to tell you where your money, your house, your stocks, even your iTunes account, your digital library? Why should the government tell you who gets that? So this is critical. And, and I think that in, in a time like this where... There is a lot of sickness and death. It is something that we're thinking about. I'm not bringing up, you know, Grim Reaper stuff just to be morbid. It's crossed my mind. And it's crossed a lot of my clients' minds, which is why I raised the issue. So this is the time to look at your will. Now, another personal issue that people have been asking is about your mortgage. And this is a tough one because... There have or has been some legislation passed, some emergency bills passed concerning your mortgage and uh, whether or not you have to pay it and how you go about getting some sort of um, forgiveness plan. I want to give you what I know about this program. So uh, at least in New Jersey, the governor has said that mortgage companies cannot foreclose on people's mortgages right now. There's a moratorium on that. They can't do it. And they've also said that there has to be some um, easing of mortgage payment requirements because people who are laid off or people who are experiencing significant financial troubles, you just, you can't pay your mortgage. And it's not fair that you'd lose your house over it. So what they're saying is that you can go to your mortgage company and you can ask them about this forbearance. And that's really what it is. It's not a forgiveness plan. It's not a, I don't have to pay. It's a forbearance program. You apply to your mortgage company and you're asking them to not expect you to pay for up to three months and not to penalize you for not paying. But here's the kicker. When a forbearance program ends, the amount that was due monthly and that has been suspended becomes due. And a lot of times you are unaware, but now you're stuck with a $10,000 payment. So let's assume for a minute you have a $2,500 a month mortgage and you are going to um, apply for forbearance under this COVID uh, 
situation. And three months go by, you owe $7,500, you come out of forbearance, your next month's mortgage payment is due, so it's $10,000. The mortgage company is going to expect you to pay that money back. Now, I know I've heard the governor say things like, it'll get tacked on to the end of your mortgage, etc. But you have to deal with your individual bank. I have seen banks that say, it is due immediately upon the end of your forbearance period. But I've also seen banks say, we'll work with you. We'll establish a payment plan. You can roll your payments into your existing or upcoming monthly payments and pay slightly more. They've got all these plans and programs, but you've got to talk to your individual bank and you have to understand that this is not free money. This is a forbearance period and you need to do your homework with respect to your mortgage company to find out what happens after the end of the forbearance period. Are they going to expect it all right that moment? Or are they going to help you? And how are they going to help you establish some sort of payment plan? You've got to talk to them about that. Okay. When should you request forbearance? Well, it's when you realize you can't make your payments on your mortgage. So a lot of people were asking in, in March, you know, they hadn't paid their March mortgage payment and it was, you know, due the beginning of March. And now here it's rolling around to the end of the month and they're thinking that they should apply for the forbearance so that they don't have to pay for March's mortgage payment. And in talking to some representatives from lenders, uh, the general consensus is that the bank doesn't want to do something retroactive like that. They would rather that you pay that mortgage payment and then apply or apply at the time that you know, you, you're up to date when you realize you can't make the next few. Um, are they going to deny you that prior month? Probably not, especially since, like we talked about, they, they can't move to foreclose. But just telling you what the general consensus is from my conversations with lenders and, and some financial institutions concerning that. But again, make use of it. If you feel that you're going to have problems paying your mortgage, make use of these programs that are out there. Now, along a similar line, I've also received a lot of questions about um, grants and loans for small businesses, SBA loans, emergency funds, what that all means, how do I get one? Well, I don't think that it is going to be as easy as we would like it to be or as we would hope it to be. I have a feeling that this is going to be complicated. I have a feeling that at some point money will run out for these programs and I don't know how they're going to select who gets these small business loans, but not everybody that applies is going to get them. What I encourage you to do is to apply for these loans immediately. You can go right on the SBA website. There's COVID-19 
links to help you fill out the applications. The applications are straightforward. Um, they're not extremely time consuming. They can be done right online and submitted. Don't hold your breath, but absolutely fill them out. Again, theme of this is you can't rely on the government to take care of you. All right, so that's that's some of the heavier stuff. I have a, a lot of other lighter, if you will. They're not really light, but lighter questions, maybe less um, legal, if you want to call it that. And some of that concerns things like hoarding cash. Should you have cash? Should you empty out your bank account? And, you know, is it a bad idea to have cash on hand? No, it's not. Would I say to you, it's a great idea to go and empty everything out of your bank account? No, because if you're like me, the vast majority of my payments are made via online transactions. I pay my mortgage online. I pay, you know, my car online. Whatever it is I'm paying, I typically am paying it online. So to deplete whatever you have in the bank to have, you know, some cash, um, then what do you do when you need to pay a bill? You know, I, I think you got to be reasonable about this. I think that trying to remain in control and as level-headed as possible, despite it being easier to say than do, is critical. When you, you feel panicked and you think that you've got to get your, your money out or you hear neighbors or relatives in a frenzy, take a deep breath. Step back from it. Think about it. Look at what you have to pay. Look at how you pay your bills and then make a decision. Good idea to have some cash on hand? Absolutely. Good idea to deplete everything out of your account? Probably not. Another issue, and this one's controversial, of course. There has been, I don't know if you've been following the stories, but there has been a massive increase in people applying for handgun permits or gun permits, I should say, not necessarily handguns. So what, what do we think about that? Well, I get right to bear arms and I'm okay with that. I am, am not, um, you know, decided on uh, one way or the other with respect to gun control. That's not what this is about. I think that people should be allowed to have guns. Do I think people should be allowed to have automatic weapons and AR-15s? No. Assault rifles? No. But, you know, that's that's not the point of this. It's not about gun control. What I'm talking about now is, should you run out and try to get a permit? And my question to you is, why? And I've spoken to people about this, and the vast majority of them come back and say, well, what if someone tries to break into my house? What if I need to defend myself? What if someone comes to take all of my toilet paper? You know, and I'm looking at some of these people like, are you kidding me? You're going to shoot somebody over your toilet paper? Well, here's my thought. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But keep this in mind. Depending upon what state you live in and what the laws are, just because someone is attempting to break into your house doesn't mean you can shoot them and not have any criminal 
implications. Again, this is state specific. It depends on where you are and it depends on what the rules in that state say concerning defending your house. There are some states where you have to warn the intruder that you have a gun and give them an opportunity to flee. There are some states where you can just shoot them, but you've got to know that because just due to the pandemic, it doesn't give you free reign and allow you to just open fire on anybody that comes in the house. So keep that in mind. You still have to abide by the law and you still have to realize that there are criminal implications if you mishandle that weapon. So again, keep that in mind. And the same is true for, for other weapons. I've, I've heard people buying katana swords and brass knuckles and you know, I think this happens, unfortunately, in um, in situations that are so unknown. I know that that certain cities, um, and I'm talking about small scale cities, not New York. I know that there has have been some reports of increased crime. The best thing you can do locally, lock your doors, lock your cars. Car break ins are something that that happens all the time. But don't give somebody an easy target and leave your car unlocked. Don't leave valuables in the car. I mean, these are simple things. And, and, you know, I certainly don't want you to think that I'm, um, you know, making light of this. But how often have I myself walked out of my car and left it open, unlocked, and said to myself, I'll lock it later. And then I forget. Right? So just do it. It's just one small thing you can do to you know, hopefully uh, reduce the possibility that you're victim of, of some kind of crime or break in. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up today. We've touched on a lot of topics. Uh, I'm going to do another one of these. Uh, probably the next podcast we'll touch on, on some more. There are so many, so many questions. I mean, I have, I have questions about employees and how you deal with them and, um, what you should do with your with your 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 staff, etc. So we'll touch on that in the next episode. In the meantime, I want to make sure that you subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Make sure you tell people about it. Uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of different topics moving forward, not just the virus. But the goal here is to have you sort of live life like a lawyer. Think about things the way a lawyer does and. You know, if you've listened to past episodes, you'll see we talk about everything from pop culture to um, entrepreneurs and things like that. So this really, this show has a little bit for everybody. Uh, It's not just a, hey, how do I do this in the law kind of thing? Because God, I wouldn't want to talk about that, nor would I want to listen to it. So this has a little bit for everybody. Um, so make sure you tell your, your family and friends, your colleagues about it. Let them know about the podcast. You, you can subscribe on iTunes. Um, and if you have any questions, you can contact me directly. I would be happy to talk about any particular topic that you might want to hear on the podcast. You can uh, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at pjlesq.com. Make sure you reference the UTL radio podcast and feel free to ask any questions or recommend any topics that you have. Until the next time, please make sure to stay safe. 
to be reasonable, to think about what you're doing, take some deep breaths, stay positive, stay focused. We are going to get through this, I have no doubt, and we will be stronger when we come out on the other side. So take care of everybody, be kind, and I will see you next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. If you'd like more information about the show, or if you'd like to take advantage of our business and legal self-help resources, including our extensive video library, then visit us online at utlradio.com. You can also find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Now, if you have any questions about any of the topics that you've heard discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for future shows, please feel free to reach out to me directly at pl at pjlesq.com, or you can call us at 201-904-2211. Please also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Also, share the information that you receive through this podcast with your family, your friends, and colleagues, and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station.